Welcome to the Red Door Church Sermon Podcast. Red Door Church is a church seeking to transform the city of Pretoria by the power of the gospel. We are distinctly mission-minded, community-cultivating, and city-loving. Please enjoy this week's sermon, and don't forget to follow and continue the conversation by sharing with those around you. Great to be with you all this morning. Um, it's great that we're finding our stride, even in the songs. I see people are becoming a little bit more loose. The shackles are still on, but I can see a little bit more movement from the back. You guys are in a safe space. This is, don't worry. You're allowed to express and enjoy yourselves and praise the Lord as we're doing that. But it's great. It's great to be with uh, everyone this morning, especially considering where we are in the third wave in the pandemic. Um, a lot is uncertain for the way forward, but this is certain. Uh, that it's good to be with one another, and it's good to gather around God's Word. It was so good to hear the testimony of Zane and Melissa. It's good to have you guys in our midst. You're such a great encouragement for us, and we're going to continue to pray for you and with you and want to see how God is going to continue to use you in our midst. Uh, Fam, we've got a great passage this morning again, and it's just the nature of the book of Acts where... It takes on narrative form or story form. And what that means is, is that you've got huge passages because it just tells one big story. And so we're going to go through that passage, but it's so good to read it, even though it's a lot. It's good for us to read all of the Word of God to see how everything fits together. And so this morning as well, we want to see how and what God want to communicate to us today at Red Door 2,000 years later um, in the same way that it was communicating to the early church as well. So a lot has been said, a lot has been prayed, but I'm going to pray as well. I'm going to pray for my heart and your hearts. Father God, we pray this morning, we are thankful that we can still meet together. Um, we are reminded that you are the good father this morning. Even though we've got broken pictures of what it means to be in a family and to have good fathers over us, we instinctively know what is good and bad because you've given us that image, that image of that God is a good father that wants to love us and look after us. And Father, I pray for that this morning as well, that you will discipline us as a good father, that you will love us, that you will guide us, and that you would do that through your word and through your spirit. Thank you that, you, that we know that you will do this as the ultimate father figure. Amen. Fam, one thing uh, that is crucial for your health, your physical health, is something that we all take for granted, but it's very important, and that is resistance or gravity. Without resistance or struggles or gravity, our bodies will actually deteriorate and die. We are biologically designed to have to encounter resistance. Without resistance, our bodies will deteriorate and slowly um, uh, lose its strength. And we didn't really know this about our bodies until we started space exploration and started to stay extended periods of time and space. What scientists saw happening was that because of the lack of gravity and just general resistance, that people's muscles started to atrophy. That means that they started to break down and lose their strength. Even people's bones started to deteriorate in space. We saw that people were struggling with their hearts, and their hearts were becoming weaker because suddenly their heart didn't have to fight gravity to pump the blood up and down to your brain. 
And this is obviously problematic when you want to spend extended periods of time in space and even when they want to think about long-distance space travel. Scientists are stuck with the problem of how are we going to simulate resistance in space so that we can actually send people on long journeys to other planets. This is one of the main things that they have to overcome. And so what scientists are doing, they're spend, spending millions and millions of dollars to try and simulate resistance in space. Astronauts need to spend hours exercising each day in space on special machines that keeps them tethered to a treadmill or something just to make sure that they don't degrade too much. They're still degrading, but just not too much. And which is pretty ironic. Um, they're spending so much effort in space to simulate resistance, yet on Earth, everyone and anyone shies away from resistance. Naturally, we all actually seek what's easier for us, what's more comfortable for us. We like Uber Eats. We don't want to go out. Instead of washing the dishes, we get a dishwasher. Instead of vacuuming, we get robot Roomba vacuum cleaners that does the work for us. But biologically, we need resistance. We need to work. We need to sweat to stay healthy. And friends, this is not just true of us physically. This is also true of us spiritually this morning. The Christian life, is actually not meant to be a smooth ride. There should be some resistance. Even though everything we see around us, every technological advancement is actually telling us, take the easy route, stay where it's comfortable. If we believe this spiritually for us, then we're actually committing spiritual suicide. To grow, to get stronger spiritually, we need to be in places that actually gives us resistance. Fam, this was true of us, this is true of us today, and it was definitely true of the church back in the day, in the day of Acts, as we'll see in today's passage. And so if you're joining us today for the first time, or if you need a refresher, we are currently in the book of Acts, the series that we've titled Sent, as Jesus um, has sent his Holy Spirit to empower his disciples to empower the church, to make disciples of all the nations of the earth, we are seeing the start of this great movement called the Christian movement, the Christian church. And so right here in the beginning of Acts, we're noticing that there's a certain ebb and flow to this narrative. I don't know if you guys picked this up. Every time we're seeing the apostles are preaching, miracles are being done, it's going well in the church, and then they encounter resistance or a scandal or something is happening. And they've got to sort that out. And after that, we see the same pattern happening again. However, which is interesting, every time they encounter both external and internal resistance, we see that the church grows. And this is counterintuitive. And this kind of brings us to, di to today's passage as well. We see a lot of the same happening. However, what Luke is specifically doing this morning is he's in... He's giving us a lot more detail so that we kind of understand the dynamics of what is working and what is happening in this ebb and flow. The dynamic of suffering in the Christian life. And so let's dive in. In the beginning of today's passage, we see the cycle once again. The apostles were preaching. They were performing miracles. Things were going well in the church. Yet we see two distinct camps 
starting to form. And this is different than every other instance. You'll see, and you're going to read it with me on the board, verses 13 and 14, right in the beginning, as they were preaching, none of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, the different camp, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. And so after people experienced and notice what was happening to Christians, we see two types of reactions. One, we see people that aren't necessarily opposed to Christianity. They recognize the truth and they actually see the good of what people are doing. We see that they hold them in high esteem, but they also see the price. <laughs> they see the resistance. They see that the apostles were arrested and then freed again. And we see that this camp simply wasn't prepared to pay that price. And so they dared not join this group for fear of the per persecution that might come. It was not the comfortable option for them. However, on the other camp, we also see that there were people that in the face of persecution, scandals, and resistance still joined the faith, still joined the church. In fact, this passage said, more than ever, multitudes joined the church after the arrest of Peter and John and after they were freed. And again, this encounter feels counterintuitive. If we were the marketing advisors to God, I'm sure the advice that we would give God is we need to sell Christianity and to make sure that some people will join it, we need to make it look inviting and fun. But that's not what happens. In fact, it's when we see more persecution that we actually see more growth in the church. And what's happening right here? What is the dynamic that's happening as we're seeing more pressure applied to the church? Well, family, here's the one thing that pressure and resistance does. It's giving clarity. It's distinguishing the church from just another social club. This isn't just a place where people choose to come and hang out because they've got nothing better to do on a Sunday morning. Um, this isn't just a place where we can find friends and enjoy fellowship and community and all the other Christian buzzwords. No, this is a place where people come to hear the word of life. This is a place where people worship God, a God who is worthy to be worshipped. So worthy that people are willing to suffer for that. And that's noticeable. People notice this. That's getting people's attention. We want, as people, we need something bigger than ourselves and our own desires to give our lives to. We want to be part of something bigger than just my own comfort. We want to have something that gives a lasting impact even when I'm gone. Christianity is that and so much more. So ironically, what we think is happening right here, what might people put people off from Christianity is actually giving them clarity on what it's all about. And it's helping them make the decision, is this something that I need to join or not? I think it's something that we actually need in a place like Pretoria where it's so comfortable. We see that there's a large group of people calling themselves Christians, but we're not really sure are they in or out because the pressure hasn't really been applied. They didn't have this problem back then. Pressure gives clarity. However, as we see the church growing and as we see people coming to faith, we see this narrative follows the same line that we've been seeing before. 
that there's a great stir in Jerusalem, this mighty fortress of Judaism. And obviously, again, in verse 17, we see that the high priest and all that were with them, the other priests, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, were filled with jealousy, and they arrested the apostles and put them into prison. We've seen this happen before, but Luke adds an extra bit of detail. Not only did they arrest them, they were jealous. The moment that these Pharisees saw that their own influence was dwindling, they became jealous. Not because people were concerned, not because they were concerned that people were, were reacting and believing heretical teaching, not because they saw people were living immoral, ungodly lives, but because they thought that their own influence was dwindling. And as the, all the apostles were imprisoned to await trial the next day, we kind of see, we see in verse 19 that an angel of the Lord came and brought them miraculously out of prison. Now, crucial for this morning's passage, as the angel brought them out of prison, I mean, it's amazing. All the locks were still locked, yet they somehow escaped prison. The command that the angel gives them is the key to this morning's passage. Read with me the instructions in verse 20 again. The angel tells them, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. When we face adversity, resistance, and pushback to whatever we're doing, uh, I think our natural inclination, our natural uh, reaction might be to think I'm, th I'm doing something wrong. Uh, whatever I'm doing, uh, it's not working because I'm encountering all of this adversity around me. This should be easy. This should be working. I'm pretty sure that even as the apostles were sitting in jail that night, they were wondering the same thing. They're like, man, we jailed for the second time in quick succession. Is God angry with them? Are we, are we using the right strategy maybe? The right missional strategy? What is happening? Maybe we should take the church underground or, or what should we do? However, when the angel of God frees them, he gives them a crucial command. You are not to go and hide and avoid what has been happening. No, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people of all the words of this life. How insane is this? <laughs> they ought to go and do exactly that which was the cause of their imprisonment. I believe what the angel is communicating to them is this. You are doing what you're supposed to be doing. You are where you are supposed to be. You should be preaching and living out the word of the gospel, the words of life. The resistance you are experiencing is not a sign that you're doing something wrong, but actually that you're doing something right. This will happen when you preach the words of life. In fact, what should actually be happening is we should be constantly in a situation like this where we're actually encountering adversity, encountering resistance. Don't hide from this, don't run from this, for this is what you've been called for. Counterintuitively, this is how God is expanding his kingdom. Now, friends, God is not doing this because he's being sadistic um, and that he's enjoying his children to suffer. Actually, what we see happening behind the scenes, it's a clashing of kingdoms. Rather than this clash breaking us down and breaking God's kingdom down, God is using this 
in his infinite wisdom to build us up. And how do we know this to be true? Well, we see this is exactly what happened to Jesus. Jesus was constantly rejected and encountered resistance. Think about this. His own family thought that he was going crazy. Literally. His peers, other rabbis, were ridiculing him. His own cultural community, the Jewish community, called him a sellout and disowned him. Humanity rejected him and crucified him. And even Peter in this sermon testifies once again what people meant for evil God used for good. God used this unspeakable act of evil to bring salvation to the world so that now through faith in Jesus, all of us might repent and receive forgiveness of sins. Family, and now the church is continuing this witness of Jesus and of the gospel. And Jesus reminds us how natural this is and how natural this will be in the words in John 15, verses 20 to 21. Read with me on the screen. He says, Jesus is speaking. He says, remember the word that I've said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. This is part and parcel of what it means to be a Christian. Not because of our name, but because of Jesus. If we hold to Jesus' name, people will give us pressure because of who we stand for. And so for us, this has two major applications that I want us to think about for today. What does this mean for us? What would this resistance look like for us 2,000 years later at Red Door Church? Well, firstly, fam, I think what we need to recognize and see with the apostles that opposition or hardship is not a sign that we're busy with the wrong stuff. Again, both internal and external resistance, just because it's hard to be part of a faith community doesn't mean that we shouldn't be. In fact, it will be hard because you will have pressure externally and internally in the church. You're in our context in Pretoria. We're probably not gonna have the same sort of resistance that they had back then, but we've got other things. We've got other things on our plate, both internally and externally. Being part of a community, and just think of the makeup of Pretoria. If you have the gospel that brings people to a faith community, naturally what will happen is that people of different cultures will come together. However, being part of a community like this, of a different mix of cultures, like we have represented here this morning, will bring resistance because people don't understand it. People don't know in what category to place us. So we get called different names. You're a sellout. You're a coconut. And this year alone, we've heard stories where people are like, oh, you just want to join the white church. Oh, you're just planning a church for black people. No matter what camp we're at, no matter what cultural background, you're going to get heat from somewhere. These are actual stories that we've happened and endured just this year. We've seen own families that get, accept, that get upset that we've joined a faith community like this. Just by the mere fact that we're gathering. And family, this is just the beginning. 
by doing something different, we see that there are different reactions. One, other people are going to react because they're jealous of what they see happening in our midst, as we saw with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, or because they're fearful of what they see happening. Because they don't understand it, it feels like an indictment on their life, like an attack in the way that they do life. And people's natural reactions is just to try to break down, try to criticize, try to bring us away from one another. So family, what are we to do as we encounter this sort of resistance? We are to continue to preach and live out this word of life. The gospel has a community cultivating effect whereby it brings different people together because of the unifying effect of Jesus, not because we're so cooped or that we want to necessarily do this. It's because of Jesus. We need to lovingly proclaim this and live this out. The resistance that we will receive is not a sign that we're busy with the community as the wrong things, but actually we're living counterculturally. This is going to be true of our faith community, and even as we're delving it and what it means in our relationships, in our work life, in our social life, it's going to bring resistance. We've heard testimony shared last week, the impact that this has at your work. We've heard, even this morning, the internal structures of, and struggles what this will bring in your own family. If you choose to walk this life, there's going to be constant resistance and constant struggle. However, this pressure won't just be externally family. We've got to expect that the pressure and the resistance is also going to come internally, even within our own faith community. Yes, we are saved. Yes, a lot of us have tasted the gospel, but just because we have Jesus doesn't mean all our baggage just goes away. <laughs> it doesn't mean that we suddenly won't have beef with one another. No, <laughs> we still have stuff in our lives and in our midst. And we need God's Spirit working in us and through us to get through. But there's still going to be conflict. There's still going to be misunderstandings. There's still going to be cultural um, where we're insensitive, insensitive with one another. There's still going to be recovering and learning to love and cope with one another. The temptation will be to simply go where it's easier. We don't feel this resistance constantly. However, family, I'm a firm belief that this is where we grow our spiritual muscles. And this kind of leads to the second big application point. Yes, we will encounter resistance, and that doesn't mean that we're busy with the wrong one, wrong thing, and we shouldn't shy away from that. But in those seasons where we see and encounter resistance, it's in these seasons that we actually see God work supernaturally. And we see that people grow enormously in the Spirit. Do you want to see the Spirit of God working? then you need to be at a space where you actually need His Spirit. Let's be honest. We could all just hang out with people who we would normally associate with. And it would be comfortable. There wouldn't be a lot of resistance. But I don't think that would be beneficial. We're doing this because we believe this is the effect of the gospel. We believe that this is the picture of the gospel and we believe that this is how God works in these faith spaces where you put yourselves out there. Too many Christians are living their most comfortable lives right now and then they are somehow disappointed that they don't experience the work of the Spirit. 
or that they're not growing spiritually? Well, you're not exercising. Family, this has been an amazingly challenging year so far with COVID and for me personally, with planting this type of church, with dealing with my own insecurities. But never have I seen the Spirit of God work like I have now. Never have I been more convinced of my need of the Savior. Never have I believed this vision more and more that this is the kind of faith communities that we need, that Pretoria and South Africa needs because it's proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Never have I experienced this type of love for the people that look and talk different from me. And all of this because of the work of Jesus. Do not shy away from resistance. Embrace it. God is working. However, even in this passage this morning, we see that it's not all doom and gloom. The Sadducees and Pharisees got so angry when Peter was once again preaching to them that they wanted to kill them then and there. But through God's providence, a Pharisee called Gamaliel stood up and very practically convinced them that there were previously two other movements like this. And they had a following. But as soon as the leader died, the movement kind of fizzled out. So don't worry about the Christians. Their leader, Jesus, was killed. So the movement, if not from God, will fizzle out. Listen to his words in verses 38 to 39. He says, So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men. Let them alone. For this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. What Luke wants us to see this morning is that the church Christian movement is not of men, but of God. This is why 2,000 years later, we're still here. <laughs> they might kill some of us. They might, some might go astray. There might be smaller battles that is won by the evil, evil one. But at the end of the day, God will succeed. Family, this is massively encouraging me. Even though we might even fail, even then God will succeed. So take heart today, knowing that our struggle, our perseverance, our encounters against resistance is not in vain. God is actually using this to accomplish what he has planned. They not only threatened the apostles, but they gave them 40 lashes minus one. If you've seen the Jesus form, the 40 lashes minus one, that's where they don't just hit them with whips, but the whips normally had pieces of bone or, or stuff in them so that it would take the flesh off your back. So it's not a light beating or lashing that was giving. They let them go with a stern warning again, stop preaching, stop teaching, bloodied and bruised for the gospel. This is the response of the apostles in verses 41 and 42. They left the presence of the gospel, uh, of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. Wow. Suffering 
it's not just something that we go through. It is when we are counted worthy that we get to enjoy this resistance. Worthy that God is using us. Worthy that he's working in us. Worthy that we might know the truth of the gospel and they rejoiced and continued preaching. Family, I want to pray for us and I'm going to end on this note for this morning. It is, it is pretty uncertain what the future holds. With COVID and physical gatherings for this church plant. But know this, every time we're going to encounter this situation, we're going to be left with these two choices in the two camps that we've seen in the beginning. Either we still recognize the truth, but we're following the path of least resistance, going like a river to the ocean. Or we recognize that, yes, we only have one life to live, and we want to grow. I don't know about you, but I actually want to see the Spirit working more. I want more of the Spirit's work. I actually want to see people coming to faith. I want to see miracles performed in our midst. But for that to happen, we've got to put ourselves out there. So may this be true of us. May we never become a faith community that wants to stay in the comfortable space, avoiding all resistance. May we not feel sorry for ourselves for carrying the cross. Rather, may we feel extremely blessed because our Master and our Lord has carried a much heavier cross than what we would ever be able to bear. May we continue to preach and teach that Christ the Messiah is Jesus. And so this morning, I want to invite you. You might have been in a path where you've just been coasting. You know about this Jesus character, but you haven't jumped in. Or you have been following him, but your heart has grown cold. Hear this morning that you've not been cast out. Jesus hasn't lost hope in you. In fact, he paid the price for exactly a moment like this where you can come back to him and experience the grace and the forgiveness that is, exists in the cross of Christ. Won't you accept this? Won't you come and once again pick up the cross and follow our Lord Jesus Christ? Amen. Father God, we are thankful this morning for this community, for this faith community, Father. We, we are still trying to understand what this looks like. What does it look like to know and love and serve you in a city of Pretoria? What does it look like to know and love and serve our brothers and sisters all around us? What does it look like to love and serve the city? And Father, we've got to be honest that we haven't found the perfect formula. We haven't nailed it. We've made countless mistakes. However, we are encouraged this morning that you still want to use us, that you still want to empower us, that we still want to see the Spirit working in our midst. And so Father, what I am praying is not for perfect lives, but rather hearts that perfectly want to depend on you. Father, we're praying for hearts that are willing to step into the difficult circumstances. We are thankful for people actually stepping out of the uncomfortable or out of the comfortable boat and into the uncomfortable ocean in faith following you. But, P, uh, but God, as Peter once started to sink because he, his gaze was averted from you, Jesus, we, we pray that we would once again fix our eyes and fix the gaze on you. 
And then as the apostles, as we do encounter different forms of adversity, that we would also rejoice. Not because we're better than other people, but because we counted worthy to suffer for the gospel. Because we know how precious it is. May we live this, may we teach this, may we share this for your glory, we pray. Amen.